ask that you open up your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, and we're going to be focusing on one verse of Scripture here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, it is good to see each and every one of you here in the Lord's house on this morning. We come here to celebrate the Lord's Supper and to give glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. And before we have the reading of the Word, let's do go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning to come to praise you and give you thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ and for his sacrifice for us upon the cross. Lord, Feed us in your word as we look at your word now. And Lord, help me, your unworthy servant, as I proclaim it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes, For as often as ye eat this bread... And drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. The Lord's Supper is a gift to the church. It's a gift to us who are Christians. To remember our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has did for us at the cross. It's a constant reminder us of us, to us of what the gospel is all about. And I believe here in verse 26, the Apostle Paul summarizes uh, why we take the Lord's Supper and its great gift to us as a constant reminder and remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Uh, when you were saved, you followed the Lord in baptism. And that baptism is a one-time thing. It's often called the conversion ordinance, that we follow Christ in baptism. But the Lord's Supper is continually done over and over again to continue to remind us why we are saved. And Paul states in verse 26, he begins, for as often, often. Now there's an assumption in the Apostle Paul's writing here that Christians take the Lord's Supper. For it's for us. And it's a major part of Christian worship. It should not become a little add-on or something a church rarely does. And I like the way we do it here at Grace, uh, that it's done on a regular basis. Now, there is a warning the Apostle Paul gives us in verses 27 through 29. After he wrote verse 26, he states, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Uh, what does it mean here? What does Paul mean? Why did he give this warning? He says, uh, 
whosoever, you know, that whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now, let me, first of all, before I get in that details that Paul's talking about here, I will remind you that the Lord's Supper is for Christians, just as baptism uh, was only for a believer. We follow, uh, follow Christ in baptism. And after that, the Lord's Supper is for believers. It is not for unbelievers. It is a church ordinance for Christians who have followed Christ. And so, uh, so if you're not a Christian here today, let me remind you that first of all, you need to know the Lord by faith. You need to know Him before you partake of this. For this is a, a ordinance, a sacrament for those who are saved. Uh, the word unworthily, what does it mean? Because I've heard this, you know, sometimes you can, some people, look, you can go two extremes. One is you just approach the Lord's Supper in a very casual, not caring matter. And that's wrong. No, then there's some who will approach the Lord's Supper like they're approaching the great white throne of judgment, you know, that God's going to strike them down at any moment. And that's equally wrong. Look, uh, I, I knew of a church that would not, the pastor didn't feel the church was spiritually mature enough and they went years without taking the Lord's Supper. He told them, we're, we're not worthy. That's really not what the word here means. <laughs> the one, unworthy means unworthy manner. Literally, that's what it means. Unworthy manner or irreverently. Because uh, you're not taking it in a manner that's focused on Christ's death and resurrect, burial and resurrection. When you take the Lord's Supper, you need to take it in a worthy manner, not just a casual, not thinking about everything else in the world, but focusing on what Christ has done. Notice what Paul s states here. Uh, he says, let a man examine himself. We need to examine ourselves before we take the Lord's Supper. Examine ourselves. Examine our hearts. Do some self-examination. Repent of our sins. Focus on what Christ has done for us upon the cross. And He's not discouraging believers from taking the Lord's Supper. Matter of fact, look what He, he says... And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He says, examine yourself so you can take of it. So he's not discouraging because I've had people, not here, but another church I pastor, they'll say, now I know you might be wondering why I didn't take the Lord's Supper. First of all, I'm not looking around and neither should you to see who's taking or who's not taking. You need to be dealing with your own spiritual issues. But... At the same time, he, you know, they're saying I'm struggling with sin. Look, we're all struggling with sin. All of us. Here's what you need to do. You need to take that sin you're struggling with and bring it to the cross. And when you take the Lord's Supper, bring it to Christ and trust in His righteousness. It's why Thomas Cramner, the great English reformer, prayed regarding the Lord's Supper. He says, We do not presume to come to this table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. What did Cramner state? I don't come trusting in my righteousness when I take this bread and drink this cup. I'm trusting in your righteousness, Christ. That's how you take the Lord's Supper and trust in His manifold uh, mercies because 
it's not a you know, otherwise you can fall into the, the trap of work salvation <laughs> that I got to clean myself up. No, Christ, my friends, trust in His righteousness and what He has done for you upon the cross. I mean. We are declaring when we take the Lord's Supper, it's only by what Christ has done, not what we have done. Not by our works of righteousness, which can gain nothing, my friends. And any states, going back to verse 26, as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. He has given us these symbols, these elements of bread and cup as pictures of Christ. Go back to verse 23. We're here in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul quotes our Lord Jesus. He states, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. After the same manner, he took the cup which he had supped, saying, The cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The bread that we partake of represents and reminds us of Christ's body upon the cross. And we should focus on that when we take them that bread. The Apostle Paul again, Ephesians chapter 2, and verse is 15 and 16, declares, well, let's go to verse, well, let's go to verse 13 first. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, we were one time far off, far away from God before we were saved, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. At the cross, the Lord Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law. He abolished the enmity or the hostility it had toward us because we can't meet those qualifications of the law. We can't be good enough. But Christ, the incarnate Son of God, became flesh, lived a perfect life, died upon the cross for our sins. He is good enough. He is perfect. And at the cross, He abolished those Old Testament sacrifices and ceremonies. He fulfilled the entire law, taking away the hostility, making a new body, the church, of Jew and Gentile alike. And so in his, by, by His body, He has fulfilled the law. 
by his suffering upon the cross and why what he endured by taking the sins of all who trust in him. And then going back to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, he says, and drink this cup. Drink this cup. Uh, this, this is my blood, Christ stated. The cup, of course, pictures the blood of Jesus when we partake of it. As the bread pictures the body of Christ nailed to a cross. Uh, we often sing, you know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more taber more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Look, Christ is our great high priest. He, my friends, has come to a greater and more perfect tabernacle. And those, those, those Old Testament sacrifices all pointed to Christ for perfect sacrifice. When you read the Bible, you read the Old Testament, you see those sacrifices had to be done over and over and over and over again. And they never wiped away sin. They never did it. But by Christ's one sacrifice at the cross, by the shedding of His blood, He has obtained eternal redemption for us. Uh, he purges us from these sins by His death upon the cross. And by His blood, we have been saved. And going back to verse 26 again, in 1 Corinthians, He says, Ye do show the Lord's death. And this symbolism, this that we go through when we take the Lord's Supper, we're showing the Lord's death. It's like a little drama. We're reminding ourselves of the gospel. You know, Martin Luther stated that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day because we so often forget it. We think the gospel is just for those who are unconverted, and certainly the unconverted need it because they need salvation in Christ. But we need a constant reminder every day uh, of Christ's death to keep in our minds. A crucified Christ, as Thomas Brooks stated. But in the Lord's Supper, we have a special remembrance in showing forth uh, His death. John Flavel said, The Lord's Supper comes to us like a ring plucked off from Christ's finger or a bracelet from His arm, delivered to us with such words, 
with these as often as you look on it, remember me. He, he kind of used that illustration to describe the Lord's Supper flavor did. But it, it's much like when you look, I know that probably all of us have lost loved ones. Uh, you look at a picture of your parents or, or your a lost spouse or brother or sister or some other loved one and you think fondly of what they did. How that how that you know you were you love them so much. When the Lord's Supper, the the picture here is of what Christ has done for us. It reminds us of what was done for us at the cross. And we need that each, you know, on a regular basis, the Lord's Supper. Remembering Christ's loving death for us who are his saints as we eat and drink it. That's why it's so important we take it in a worthy manner. Have our minds and give thanks to Him and be grateful to Him as we eat this bread and drink of this cup. And then the last part of verse 26 states, till He comes. This reminds us that while the Lord's Supper is primarily a remembrance of Christ's death upon the cross, it reminds us also that He is risen that He is alive. The Lord's Supper is not a funeral service. The Lord's Supper is a reminder that Christ is risen, that we serve a risen Savior, that He, he, was, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that He is risen. He's alive and is at the right hand of God the Father. And my, my friends, that He's coming back again till He comes. We as the church... Keeps, keep taking of this supper. And since, since it was instituted 2,000 years ago, the Lord's Supper has been celebrated by Christians throughout the centuries to remember what Christ has done for us upon this, on the cross for us. And so today, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we're about to enter into the Lord's Supper, I want to turn to Romans chapter 5, and I want us to have a time of self-examination, and I'd like for us to examine uh, ourselves using these few verses of Scripture for just a, a few moments. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even die, dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As we enter in this time of the Lord's Supper, the celebration of it, I ask that we, at this time, bow our heads and let us just go into a time of self-examination and ask the Lord to examine our hearts and repent of our sins and prepare our hearts to take this bread and drink of this cup.
Oh, merciful God, we do come to this table, Lord, not trusting in our righteousness, for we have no righteousness of our own, but what comes through Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us where we've fallen short as your people. And help us at this time to look to Christ. We who are your church, we who are, who are saved, who are Christians, that we will, Lord, uh, Lord, remember the loving death of our Lord Jesus Christ and be grateful. Oh Lord, help us now as we take of this bread and drink of this cup. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord God and Savior, I pray. Amen.